You're listening to Disc 5 of the Elementary Principles of the Messiah and Daniel's teaching on the baptism, Part 1. Enjoy! Uh, we're still in 1 Corinthians, and we haven't even gotten past chapter 3 yet. And actually, we're going to be hitting, because we've been discussing the elementary principles of the Messiah, also known as the milk of the word. And we are finally to our last elementary principle, which is baptism. It's known as immersion. But in Hebrew, it's known as a mikvah. Okay? And I want to look at uh, Judaism's definition for this mikvah. Let's look at this. A ritual pool of water used for the purpose of attaining ritual purity. Immersion in a mikvah is performed for the following main purposes. I'll pay close attention to this. It is used in connection with repentance. Okay? To remove the impurity of sin. It is also used in connection with conversion. Keep that in mind. There's a conversion happening. A mikvah mikvah is required. Because the convert has taken upon himself or herself to adopt the lifestyle of the Jew that is based on the recognition of God as king of the universe and the obligation to perform the commandments of Torah. This is amazing. This definition is amazing. It's a remarkable is remarkably accurate description of what baptism is for us believers in Yeshua today. And as you'll see, as we continue through the Word of God, the Word of God defines baptism in this very way. But with one exception. With the exception that there's a very special name involved. And the name is Yeshua Hanatsri, or Jesus of Nazareth. See, Scripture says that baptism is all about repentance. It is all about converting, moving from your old life into a new life. It's about confessing Yeshua as king of the universe. It's about accepting the obligations of the law. What do I mean by that? When you convert, you are accepting to walk in the ways of God, to obey his commandments. Amen? It's my belief that only a fragment of the church today truly understands what baptism really is about and how important, how crucial it is that those who confess Yeshua as Lord be baptized. Now, the Bible has a lot to say in regard to how necessary baptism is and that it is necessary for the believer. And not just that, but the great weight of responsibility that we, as believers, have to convey to the world how important baptism is, immersion is. Through Scripture, we're going to see what it is, its purpose, whether or not it is commanded, and whether or not it is necessary for us today. I want to begin today's message. We're going to go to the Torah, and we're going to look at a couple passages that are going to give us a deeper insight into baptism. And this first passage that we're going to look at, we're going to see where the Lord gives Moses instructions on how to construct the brazen laver for the tabernacle. Let's look at this. Exodus 36, uh, 18. You shall also make a laver of bronze 
with its base also of bronze, for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. Verse 20. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting, and when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water lest they die. Okay? If you were a priest coming into the tabernacle, this might be something you might not want to forget. Okay? If the priests failed to wash as they were drawing near to God, they would have died. I hope you can see the symmetry here in this passage to baptism. See, baptism is cleansing yourself as you draw near to God, as you draw near to God through his Son. I want to look at another passage found in Exodus. And this is at the time when the children of Israel reach Mount Sinai. They're about to experience an encounter with the Most High God. They're about to enter into covenant. They are drawing near to God. Listen to what the Lord commands Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. So again, we have this beautiful symmetry of where we see the children of Israel washing, in this instance, washing their garments, and they come to enter into covenant with God. They come to draw near to him. This is a picture of what we practice now. As we come to draw near to Yeshua, we wash ourselves in preparation to enter into this new covenant as we draw near to him. Just as the priests were commanded to wash as they drew near to God, so too Yeshua has commanded us to wash in him. Exodus 28, 18. And Yeshua came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Yeshua commanded, right? He commands that not only do we believe in him, but that we be baptized. And he commanded those who preached his name to baptize all who are willing to confess him. And the apostles followed this commandment with no hesitation, okay? Unfortunately, baptism in general has been reduced. This is very important you listen to what I'm about to say. Baptism has been reduced into something that's just, well, it's good to do. Or it's a public profession. But not necessarily something that is required. Now, our adversary is crafty, he is cunning, and from the beginning... Satan's objective has been to prevent man from obeying the commandments of God. You only need to go back to the Garden of Eden to see how he operates. It'll prove this. And now, he has moved on to more critical components than just the tree, such as the seventh-day Sabbath, the removal of the festivals of God, dissolving the Torah completely, redefining the definition of what God identifies as sin, and now removing the value, the necessity of baptism for those who draw near to him. I want to go to a passage found in Acts. 
and this is at the time where we see the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? Shavuot, Pentecost, coming upon the apostles. And this event doesn't go unnoticed, okay? But rather, Scripture states that there were Jewish eyewitnesses at Pentecost, at Shavuot. And not only were these witnesses there, but they literally heard the apostles speaking to each of them in their own language. This is a remarkable event. It was a remarkable experience. And because of this experience, this is what they say. They ask the apostles an important question, a million-dollar question. Acts 2.37, And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach for, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now there is a lot of information given in this verse. Now remember we found in the Hebrew definition for mikvah, and it's a remarkable accurate description, with one exception, it was missing the special name. And here in this verse, we're given this literal definition of the mikvah with the special name in which we must be baptized in the name of Yeshua for the remission of sins. See, being baptized is an integral, it's an integral part of being uh, repentant, showing a repentant heart. It's the process that we have to go through. If, in fact, you believe that Yeshua died and rose again, you will be baptized. Now, in this passage that I'm going to go to, um, we're going to look at Philip. And Philip is an amazing man. If you ever get a chance, read the entire chapter of Acts 8. He is an amazing man of God. And God did awesome things through this man. But I want to show you what happens and how Philip acts as an apostle, preaching, evangelizing the name of Jesus, Yeshua. Let's look at this. This is a great example for us to follow. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, the man, uh, this man is of great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Both men and women were what? They were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So Philip, he goes out, he preaches the name of Yeshua, he doesn't stop there. It's incomplete. He preaches baptism. And he follows through with baptizing those who are willing to confess him. Now I want to continue in this passage. And I love this story because we get a great illustration on how successfully evangelism, or the successfulness of evangelism and how it should look. Acts 8.26 Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia. Okay? This man's a man of Ethiopia. He's not a Jew. A eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, 
who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. I think it's important that you understand this. He's Ethiopian. But he was a man who was seeking the God of Israel. Okay? He was seeking the God of Israel. And we know this because the passage indicates that he was going to Jerusalem to worship. It's evident he was drawing near to God. He was seeking God. And this is what's said in verse 28. And the eunuch returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before a shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Now this is no coincidence that this Ethiopian is reading one of the most prominent messianic passages in all of scripture. Isaiah 53. Right? Let's continue. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Yeshua to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? I want you to, you need to understand that there's a lot of dialogue that takes place between verse 35, where he's preaching Yeshua to him, and verse 36. It's this in-between dialogue where Philip was delivering the elementary principles of the Messiah. He properly conveyed them to the eunuch. And the importance, one of these elementary principles is baptism and its importance. And we know that Philip delivered to this Ethiopian how crucial baptism was because in verse 36, Philip just gets done preaching to him these elementary principles, baptism being part of that message, and he doesn't even blink before he asks, what hinders me from being baptized? See, Philip appropriately evangelized. He appropriately conveyed how crucial baptism is. And the eunuch had full understanding and wasted no time in the matter. You know, every time I think I read this passage, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, I get this vivid image in my head. This beautiful chariot, because remember, he's a man of great authority. Him and Philip are sitting inside this chariot, and they're going down the road. And Philip's one-on-one with him, and he's preaching Yeshua to him the milk of the word, and he's looking, and it's like you can see, he starts delivering the message of baptism to him, and all of a sudden, because the intensity and the reality of the message that Philip delivered, it's like I can see this eunuch's eyes look outside. The man begins to immediately search for water because of how intense the reality behind the message it is, and he understood that. Now, having said this, before Philip actually follows through with this eunuch's request and baptizes him, he asks a very important question, a question that all people should be asked before they're baptized. Then Philip said, 
If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Yeshua HaMashiach is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. This is just an amazing story of effective evangelism. We understand, we must understand, how crucial baptism is and the literal role it plays in salvation. The role that it plays in one becoming a part, entering into the new covenant. Okay? Are we conveying this intense reality of baptism to those who want to follow Yeshua? When you share the gospel to the people and and you sit there in front of them and you look them square in the eye, are they seeing the intensity, the same intensity that I see in this passage of Philip? We have to spread the gospel of the Messiah, Yeshua, in these wicked and evil times like Philip did. Amen? Acts 19.1 And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Listen to this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, listen to his bewilderment here. Into what then were you baptized? So they said, well, into John's baptism. And this is interesting. You see in verse 2, Paul makes the connection with baptism and believing in Yeshua. He makes the connection between baptism and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As we get to verse 3, we see Paul's bewilderment when he asks them, into what were you baptized? Because they had not received the Spirit of God. Okay? Paul makes the connection of being immersed in Yeshua to receiving the Spirit of God. And then as we get to verse 4, we see Paul's response to their answer, that they have not so much as uh, heard as whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so this is Paul's response to that. Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Messiah Yeshua. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Yeshua. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So these individuals we're being baptized in Yeshua. And because we see this elementary principle coming into play of baptism, we have another elementary principle being coupled with it. The laying on of hands. If you remember our elementary principles found in Hebrews 6. Now we have this laying on of hands. Paul lays hands on them, and immediately we see they receive the Holy Spirit. There's something mentioned in this passage, and I want to address it. John's baptism. You know, both John's baptism and Yeshua's baptism have a similarity. They were both baptisms of repentance, right? However, the baptism of Yeshua, the Son of God, was significantly different in two ways. The first way was that Yeshua's baptism was a baptism into his death. It's important you understand that. It was a baptism into his death. The individual being immersed was to be understanding that it was literally being baptized into the Messiah's death, only to rise out of the water, just as Messiah rose from the grave, in the newness of life. 
The second difference is that this would be a baptism into what was prophesied in Ezekiel 36, what was prophesied in Jeremiah 31, a new covenant where the men, his spirit is being poured out to the men of the world. I think it's worth noting that Yeshua, while in the flesh, received the spirit of God only after he was baptized. Nowhere can you find in scripture that Yeshua does a miracle prior to his baptism and anointing of the spirit of God. It's not there. The apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans explains in detail the definition of what baptism is. He reveals to us believers a deeper understanding. And it's something we shouldn't just know. This is something we have to be able to teach. We have to be able to convey to others who are coming into this knowledge. Let's look at this literal definition of baptism. Romans 6.1 What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, certainly not. How then shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as us of us as were baptized into Messiah Yeshua were baptized into his death? Paul explains this in very simple terms, exactly what we as believers should know and what we should be able to teach others. That the physical act of the immersion process is in fact the act of being baptized into Yeshua's death. Immersion is the physical act of confession that you believe Yeshua died and rose again. And it is an act of repentance, which means as you immerse yourself completely in the water into his death, you come up into the newness of life, never again to walk in the ways of sin. Romans 6, 4, let's continue. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Because if we as repentant believers are immersed into his death, never to rise again in the same manner. We will now forsake the desires of our flesh so that we may live to God in holiness. It's a conversion process. All those who believe in him must go through this process, this process of cleansing. We cleanse ourselves because we are drawing near to God. Let's continue in this passage. Paul says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Messiah, we believe that we shall also live with him. So, now after reading this passage to the Romans, we get a clear understanding of some of Paul's other statements that he makes in his other epistles, right? I'll give you an example. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You need to understand, what is Paul talking about here? He was baptized in the name of Yeshua. Galatians 3.27, for as many as were baptized into Messiah have put on Messiah. Did you catch what Paul just said here? 
for as many who have been baptized into the Messiah have put on Messiah. Does baptism or immersion sound like just something that's good to do? Isn't putting on the Messiah imperative for us? Colossians 2.11 In him, speaking of Yeshua, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Messiah. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, so the immersion process is the very act of repentance. It's the very act of faith that you do believe that Yeshua died and rose again from the dead. It is this baptism that holds a great significance for us as believers. Evangelism in the first century and evangelism today really seem to be two, slightly two different things to me. We need to get back to these basics, back to the examples the apostles left us and how to minister to those who are seeking God, going out, telling them the intensity and the reality of baptism and explain to them that they, what they are partaking of is the confession that they know in their heart that Yeshua died and rose again. We must preach this message appropriately. And if we do it right, we'll have the same response that the eunuch had to Philip. He will not wait to become baptized because we did our job. Now, Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Amen? This is what it is. There's one baptism because there's only one Messiah who died for our sins, who was sinless. It's one. Now, I'm going to stop here for today, but I split this. I didn't want to miss. There's so much to baptism and approaching questions. Um, next week, we're going to continue in this study, and there's, I'm going to address some questions as well, um, but there's a lot more in Scripture has to say about baptism about immersion so shabbat shalom